Thank you, you may be seated. God bless you. Wow, I'm so excited. I, all I could think about to say when I got up here was what I hear pastors say this. How does it go, pastor? I feel so high I could hunt ducks with a rake, something like that. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I love his sayings. Pastor, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and thanks for the great promo for the book. And it is an academic book. We use it at North Point it, for graduate studies and some undergraduate as well. There are a limited uh, number here, but it's available on Kindle, uh, a lot less expensive on Kindle if you're a Kindle reader. And, or you can go right to Amazon or actually also to oh, just right over here in Grand Rapids. Uh, you can go to Baker Books and I believe they have it on the shelf there as well. But thank you for your support on that. I'm actually working on another one. Um, it's called A Biblical Theology of Tongues. And I'm shooting for a 2022 to finish that up. I'm working on that constantly. Plan to do that in both an academic and a lay version so that the, those that don't care too much about the Greek and the Hebrew and all of that, you know, can just kind of get right to, the, uh, right to the stuff that you're interested in. So thank you, Pastor. We appreciate you. And how many of you know that even though we're recognizing all of our uh, pastors on staff here today. We appreciate them so much. But we appreciate Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda, don't we? <laughs> Praise God. Yes. Yes, let's, let's give them the due. Thank you as well today. We appreciate you so much. Amen. Amen. You know, I love being part of a church that loves the moving of the Holy Spirit, that does things with excellence but loves the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when pastor said, you know, uh, Pastor Brian there or Dr. Brian, whatever I'm called these days, hey, you at home, uh, he said, you know, he's a revivalist. And you know what? I got to tell you the truth is I feel more comfortable in a crazy charismatic prayer meeting than I do with a bunch of scholars. I love the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. So we're going to go to Isaiah 35, which has been the main text in this Oasis series. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible or on your uh, electronic device, whatever it is you have with you, we're going to read Isaiah 35, 1 through 7. And it says this, Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers. Singing in joy, the deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. Encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. You'll notice here in the last couple of verses that there are some images for water. And we're going to focus on those water images today. There's metaphors all throughout Isaiah and all throughout the Bible uh, that deal with, with the, this water idea. So I don't know about you, but I, I think that it's fitting that Grand Rapids is a place where there's a big river. The title of this message today is The River. Everyone say The River. We are river people. I said we're river people. It's fitting, isn't it, that the nickname for Grand Rapids is The River City. And I don't know if you ever dawned on you, but the reason it's called Grand Rapids is because of this big Grand River and I don't know if you ever noticed, but that there's a little town next door here called Grandville because this big river wraps around it. And I don't know if you ever noticed, but there's a town where it empties into Lake Michigan called Grand Haven because Michigan people are river people. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's fitting that a 252 long uh, 
mile, mile long river flows across this state and I think today it's a good thing to stop and think about in the natural because in the spiritual, God wants to raise that river up and overflow its banks one more time and touch the people of God and fill the people of God and bring the refreshing and bring the life. God wants to do it again. He's been doing it, but he wants that river to overflow its banks. And I've got three points for you today. These are my, my kind of general points where I'm going in case you're following along and you're taking notes. Number one what the river is. Everybody say, what the river is. Then we're going to look at what the river does. Let's go, what the river does. Say it. And then finally, where the river flows. Say it with me, where the river flows. That's where we're going today. Let's start with what the river is. The river is life and blessing. The river is life and blessing. Wherever God's river goes, that means it's his presence that goes. Wherever his presence goes, life and blessing comes. Now in the book of Isaiah, leading up to the, our passage today, and really the whole half, first half of Isaiah, is all about these reversals that you see throughout. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah, there's, there's going to be all this judgment, there's gonna be hardship, and difficulty because of people's rebellion, but then God says, but I'm gonna do something about that. And we have what we call a reversal. And God takes all of the, the death and all of the emptiness and all of the barren wasteland of human sin, and he turns it around and he brings his blessing, and it's a reversal. And that keeps happening all the way through Isaiah. And then you get it punctuated with these beautiful passages like we just read where God's gonna turn things around. Right up to our, leading up to our passage, there's a series of six woes of judgment. But then when we get up to our passage, you see what happens, there's a reversal. Right before Isaiah 35, it says this about the enemies of God. It says this in chapter 34, verses eight and nine. The Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Edom's streams, will be turned into pitch. When the favor of God is not on you and with you, and it's God's judgment face that you see, your rivers dry up. It says here they will be turned into pitch. But in chapter 35, when the presence of the river of life comes, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I think it's time for a gusher. <laughs> I think it's time again that we experience one of those uh, gully washers of God's presence coming through, amen? The text tells us in this passage that the crocus are gonna bloom. Blooming crocuses. In Palestine, you would see at times these, uh, when, when the rivers were flowing and abundance was there that the, the land would be covered with foliage and you'd see these crocuses, they were called. These beautiful flowers like you see on the screen that would begin to blossom and it was a sign of blessing and rain because in agricultural societies, how many of you know rain is pretty important? I'll never forget the time I was helping a missionary clean off a tent that he used for doing services was down in Missouri and he had been in, in parts of the world where there wasn't a lot of water and after cleaning off the tent I was in the house and I was washing my hands and I kept the water going while I was you know washing my hands and then getting the soap and all that and he comes over and he pushes the, the lever down and I'm like what are you doing? Some parts of the world that is so precious you would never leave that running. And I'm like well we got plenty here. I have good news for you. There's plenty of river today for you that the dryness is gonna turn into fullness, into wetlands again, because God wants to tell, come and touch you anew. And I tell you what, he wants to bring, instead of gloom and doom, he wants you to come into a time of crocus bloom, amen? 
It's time for blessing. People have been tired. People have been worn out from politics. They're tired of hearing about another case of COVID and a loss that we've experienced with that. They're tired of all of the division in this country. They're tired of all the hardships, frustrations, and all the negativity on the news. But I came to tell you today that despite all of that, that God is on the move and that God has come to do something fresh and God has come to touch you with his river and you're gonna bloom and you're gonna blossom Awesome, and you're going to be full of life, and God is on the move despite what's going on out there in the world. Because we are river people. Secondly, I want to tell you something about what the river is. The river is the Holy Spirit. The river is the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 32 tells us that. Listen to this. Verses 14 and 15. The fortress will be abandoned. The noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks. But then look what it says. Here's your reversal. Until the Spirit is poured on us. Say, poured on. Everybody say, poured on. Poured on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. How about this one? Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. For I will pour water pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your kids, on your offspring. I said he's going to pour out his spirit on your offspring. Yeah, we can stand on that. We can stand on that. God said, He's going to pour out his spirit on your offspring. Look at this. And my blessing on your descendants. Your grandkids are going to experience the river. Hallelujah. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees and flowing streams. When the Spirit of God comes and touches them, they will never be the same again. I want to tell you, at North Point, it's important that we have the academics. It's important that we have all of the learning and the systematic theology. But we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't say, the Holy Spirit wants to touch you. Open up your lives to Him. It's not enough to just go out with the intellect. We've got to have the power of God when we live in a time where there's so much negativity and there's so much emptiness and barrenness and depression we need the life of God on us hallelujah the enemy tries to bind up your children with addictions and sexual perversion emotional breakdowns and suicide and depression and all of these things but God wants to pour his spirit out on them People say of this generation, this is an entitled generation. No, this is a tidal wave generation. I said this is a tidal wave generation. You say, well, this country is so divided. But let me tell you about division and what God does with division. You know what God does with division? He says, okay, I see you've got a problem there. You're divided, you're fighting, you're arguing. And you've created a big chasm. You know what I'm going to do with that chasm? You just created a channel for my river. I said, you just created a chasm for my river. You look at American history in the late 1700s, the Great Awakening. They weren't exactly living righteous in those days. And God poured out his spirit and state after state at that time when we were much smaller, a large percentage of this country was exposed to the river of God's presence. And then he did it again in the early 1800s. And then he did it again in 1859. And 1859 was the great prayer revival in America. And all throughout this country, spontaneously, people would stop and pause and pray Nobody organized it. And they would begin to pray and seek God. And they, they would begin to close down their businesses at lunchtime. And everybody said, let's forget about doing business. And all the businesses were shut down. And everybody would just go pray all across the whole country. You know what happened in 1861 was the Civil War. 
Did you know that God poured out his spirit on soldiers all throughout the Civil War and thousands and thousands and thousands came into the kingdom of God, many right before they went to die on a battlefield. Talk about a time of division. Talk about a lot of people being on the wrong side of history. But God says, I'll pour out my spirit. In the worst of times is when God often comes in power. You say, are you sure about that? Remember around 1970s, I know you young people remember this really well. <laughs> but let me tell you, our former district superintendent was touched mightily in the Jesus revival and saved. That I know people that came into the kingdom of God and, and if you remember those times, remember all of the, uh, you know, the riots and the protests against the Vietnam War. And if you watch TV at night, man, it felt like the country was flying apart. That's what it felt like. And what does God do in the midst of this movement of, of hippies and, and people who are, are just don't look like the normal, typical people, like, and the sexual revolution and all of this happening, and free love, what does God do? He pours out his spirit on the thirsty ground. And I'm here to say, God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Hallelujah. We have been set up for a fresh outpouring on a fresh generation of people. I see in the Old Testament and the New Testament there are two streams, two different rivers of the Spirit, if you will. There is the river of life, the river that comes, the Spirit of God comes and moves inside of you and makes you a brand new person. We call that salvation, conversion. But then there is this river of power that equips people to go out and tell people about Jesus. Two streams, we see the two streams in the Old Testament, we see the two streams come to fruition in the New Testament. The river of life brings salvation and restoration, and the river of power brings leadership ability. The miraculous prophetic speech. And how many of you know that in this day and age, we need to have a prophetic voice? So let's take a look at this river of God's power, and let's move on to what the river does. Let's see what the river does. Before we can get into what it does, though, we gotta know where that river comes from. This river has a source, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the source. I'm in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. I'd like to read it to you. Luke 3, 16, it says, John answered them all, saying, I baptize, notice the water language again, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's saying, all I can do is come along and sprinkle a little bit of water on you. That's all I have. But there's one who is so superior to me that he has the power to be both the one who can uh, bring judgment, but he also has the power to come and bring blessing and pour out his spirit on you. There's one much greater than I am, and he's going to pour out. Everybody say, pour out. He's going to pour out his spirit. Jesus is the source of the Holy Spirit. It's not Pastor Brian. It's not the staff. It's Jesus. Just so nobody's confused today, nobody's going to volunteer to fill you with the spirit. That's Jesus' job. And you don't have to be afraid to receive the Spirit from him because he loves you and wants to bless you and touch you. And he wants you to bloom and live and grow and experience joy. And he's going to fill you with his power. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You know, some people are afraid of this baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, oh, all kinds of weird things are gonna happen. But let me tell you something. 
you don't have to be afraid of Jesus when you come humbly to him and say, fill me, Jesus. Because what he's really doing is he's not zapping you with electricity. What he's really doing is giving you more of himself. You are experiencing a new aspect of God, a powerful aspect. And I don't mean to, to paint God in physical terms, but just the, for illustration purposes. God is like this infinite diamond with so many facets that we could never appreciate all of them. And the glory of his light shines through all these facets. And when you're saved, you experience some facets of God's glory, of his spirit touching you. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you experience other facets of God and his goodness and his grace and his power. And so what we're asking you today to say, hey, would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not some other spirit. There's not two Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit, but he has different works. And today, he wants to come and touch your life with his power so you can proclaim his good news wherever you go. The river gives you power. Some of you know that one of the largest earthen dams in this side of the Mississippi is just north of us a little ways right up here near Nuevo, the Hardy Dam, generates 30,000 kilowatts of power, enough power from one dam and one place in the river to take care of all the needs for energy for that entire region right there. How much more this river of God, when it touches your life, can change everything and give you the power that you need. I want to look at three aspects of this power. The river gives you power to witness. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking. He's going to send the power of his Holy Spirit. I will never forget when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I grew up in a, in a church, and, and I loved Jesus from a young age, but I'd never experienced this aspect of God in this way before. And people had laid hands on me and prayed for me, and, and I wanted to be filled, but I didn't really understand it all. I was kind of scared. But one evening, as I was just kneeling beside my bed and praying, I began to pray in another language that I had never heard or learned. The rivers were flowing through my being. And I thought, wow, this is really unusual. A short time thereafter, I was at a, a, a place for youth, and I'm just minding my own business, playing ping pong or something, and... A friend walks in with, a, with another friend. I didn't know the other person. And suddenly the name of that person's religion starts going through my head, just repeatedly. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I just got these words of their religion in my head. And I just can't get it out. It's like, whoa, what's, what is going on? Upstairs? I had no understanding. I didn't grow up in an Assemblies of God church. I didn't know what was happening to me. And then... Being the great intellectual that I am, I said, oh, maybe God's speaking to me. <laughs> Everybody say, duh. That was mean. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Duh, is about it. I didn't know. So I thought, well, maybe this is God. So I went over to the person. I said, hey, could I talk to you for a few minutes? Never met them before in my entire life. Didn't know their name or anything about them other than this one, one word of their religion. And I said, are you by any chance, and I named their religion, they said, yeah, it was not a Christian religion. And I told them about Jesus, and they received Jesus. <laughs> Something has changed here just now. I went, I went from duh to wah. <laughs> That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit gives you power to tell people about Jesus with a whole new dimension of the miraculous in there. 
In fact, the river gives you power to move in the miraculous. Listen to this from Acts 4, verses 29 through 31. The disciples are being persecuted. They're pressure on them, and they call out to God, and they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. By the way, in the Greek there where it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit is the identical language to Acts 2-4, Pentecost, where God poured out his spirit on the disciples the first time. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So how can you have the same people getting filled over there a couple of chapters later? What, did they all backslide? No, I don't think so. They're not getting saved again, folks. Identical language. It's a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I came to tell you, those of you, that you're tired. You love Jesus. You know Jesus. But you are tired and weary. And you've come today. And I'm here to tell you the river's about to flow into your life anew and afresh. In fact, ever since we started the worship at the very beginning, God has been preparing your heart and touching you already because the answer is not in the politics and what's going on out there on the news. The answer is in the river. That's what you need. Listen, I'm grateful for medicine. I'm not one of those persons that's always bashing people because they need medicine to help them through a, a time because their emotions need a little help. Well, I'll tell you what, I praise God for help wherever we can get it. But I'm also here to tell you that the river can touch you like no pill can. I'm here to tell you that you could go from depressed to on fire for Jesus and in the joy of the Lord in a moment because it happened to me. I was so depressed and down back in the, in the 90s. My father had passed away. The church I was pastoring was dead and dry, and we needed the river, and I didn't know how to get the river, and God came upon my life and upon my wife in a service, and we were transformed. We were filled anew. We were refreshed, and our ministries have never been the same since. And when depression, I wasn't falling asleep at night because I was so depressed. On Sunday nights after service, I would go home and just, oh, and I couldn't sleep. And I was carrying the weight of a congregation that were, I had inherited a big debt. And I was just a young man. But when the Spirit of God anew came upon me afresh and filled me, the miraculous just multiplied. And it was like, oh, I don't know if we could pay the mortgage at church this week or this month. Oh, well, praise the Lord. You want the building, you can have it. I have the river. You can have the building, because I've got the river now, and we're going to be good. Those of you online, the river's for you. The river isn't contained in this building. The river flows wherever there's a heart ready to receive. This is your day to be set free. Glory to God. Yes, this is what excites me, seeing lives transformed by the river of God's presence. Whew. Years ago, my dad had cancer. He had prostate cancer, went to the doctors. They did their best, they did surgery. My dad never recovered from the surgery. Some of you know very well. And how many of you say, we appreciate those doctors so much? And some of you are tired, people in the medical profession. Yeah, give them, give them a big thank you. And you're tired. Because you've been overwhelmed with everything going on. God wants to touch you with his river. Give you the strength to keep going. But you also know that you're not God and sometimes people expect you to be God and you're not God. A lot of pressure. <laughs> I can't be him, I don't <laughs> He's good at that job. You can leave me out of that one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Doctors did everything they could, but dad wasn't healing. 
I had a pastor named Pastor Smith in Missouri. He was old time Pentecostal. I mean, when I went to that church, it was a country old time Pentecostal. I went from a kind of a conservative upbringing church to that, and it was like culture change like I've never had in my whole life. Pastor Smith, no matter what the sermon was he was preaching on, it always ended in one thing, divine healing. No matter what it was, God's going to heal you. Well, my dad came and visited, and he came down there and and goes to the church, and again, culture shock for him too. But the pastor says, if you need healing at the end of the message, come on up. Well, my dad gets out of his chair, and he goes right down there. Pastor Smith prays for him, and my dad is instantly healed. Yeah! It's power for the miraculous. God's still in the business of healing. I don't understand why he does it the way he does. I don't get all of that. All I know is when that river touches you, you're going to be healed. Glory to God. The river also gives you power to prophesy. At Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them because the tongues is the prophetic result of the Spirit's presence. It's a subcategory of prophecy. It says a few verses farther in the last days, God says, and I'm in Acts chapter 2 here, 17 to 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will I said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out. There it is again. Here comes the river. I will pour out my spirit on all people. When you're speaking in tongues, you don't need to be afraid of that. You're glorifying Jesus who is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. And he is filling you with prophetic power so that when you go out and you talk in your normal English language, that there will be power on your lips to change lives. The Redeemer will come to Zion, the scripture says. This is Isaiah 59, 20 and 21. This is quoted at Pentecost by Peter. The Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Isaiah 59, 20, 21, quoted at Pentecost because what God's doing is putting a prophetic power on your life. A spirit-filled person is a prophet. No, maybe you don't always go out and tell the future or stand up in church and do it, but you have prophetic power on your life. This is why we don't curse our country. I said, this is why we don't curse our country. This is why we don't curse our youth. We say, God bless America with a mighty river. God bless America with a mighty river. God bless America with a mighty river. We don't curse. We're prophets who bless. We have prophetic power. You know what we all need to do is turn off the news. Fast the news for a while because that's not prophetic power in the right kind of way. That message coming to you, you some of you got the TV on 24-7 on that news and it's bad, bad, bad coming from people who aren't people of the Spirit. And then you spend three minutes in the Word or at church for an hour or two and you think that that's gonna make up for 24-7 garbage, unbelief, when we need to be speaking revival to the nation. Hallelujah. Keeps talking here about the young people having the feeling. Have you noticed that? That's the blessing on our children. I need to tell you a story. So, 
When Diane and I first got touched so mightily in revival, came back to our church, we didn't, literally didn't know what had hit us. And everything just changed overnight. And I had a couple of young people in my church at the time, teenagers, who were always sitting in the back like this. Mom made them go. They didn't want to be there. It was most uninspiring from the pulpit. <laughs> Just wasn't inspiring at all. And um, I had been touched by God, and I knew God wanted to touch them. I didn't have much of a worship team at that time. We're just a small church, but you know, those young ladies, we had gotten touched, and, we, and I said, Diane, we have got to expose these young people to the move of God. They need what we have. They need, and let's just take them somewhere where God's moving. I heard God's doing something over at that Grand Rapids place, that there's a river there. And so, we didn't even have a van or anything at the church. I rented a 15-passenger van, and I said to all the young people that we could muster up, bring all your friends, whoever, and come on, we're getting on the van. Where are we going? <laughs> Swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I really said that, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and so they all get on the van, they come down, and two of those, those two ladies, they got laid out here by the power of God, right over here, and was it that aisle or this aisle? One of these two aisles, I don't remember now. And they got touched. A little while later, Sunday morning, God comes down on Sunday morning at the church. When I say God comes down, it's not as though God has been absent, but we haven't been experiencing his fullness either, if you know what I mean. These are metaphors for saying God, God is manifesting his glory and his goodness. And so, and so then, oh my, I get so excited when I talk about this and think about it. The, the young people started to come to church because things started moving, God was moving, and on a Sunday morning, God comes down and touches these young people, and they all get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues and they're out for hours under the glory of God and we had a potluck, oh I'm sorry, we don't use that word, fellowship dinner. <laughs> we had a fellowship dinner that day. And the fellowship dinner, all the food was burning because they were out until two or three in the afternoon. It was like three o'clock before they could get off the floor. I wanna tell you the revival isn't that. It's the transformation in a bunch of young people that happened during those couple of hours. Just keep that in mind. You know what? Some of the women were mad as hornets that the lunch burned. <laughs> to this day, I don't get that. God's got some nerve to come down when we got a fellowship dinner. Never mind you're getting set free from drugs. Never mind you're getting set free from their sexual addictions. Never mind they're getting healed from abuse and molestation and neglect. Never mind that they don't even have parents. Never mind that they, some of them just lost their parents to death. Never mind that the dinner's burning. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. That's when I knew we really needed the river. Hallelujah. They love Jesus today, those young girls. And I have to tell you something. This, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday, I woke up in the morning and it was long before I, the alarm was going to go off. And how many of you know, you see that the alarm says, oh, you got another hour and a half to sleep yet. And you go, oh, what am I doing awake? Before I could even hardly begin to be frustrated about how early it was, I remembered this story that I just told you about these young girls. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, she's there this Sunday. And for the next hour and a half, I couldn't go back to sleep because wherever you are, you are on my mind. Your folks or your grandfolks or whoever 
you know, you come with them, but your heart isn't in this. And I wept for you this week. A teenager, young person, I don't know your name, I don't know who you are or where you are, but I know that you're listening, watching, or here today. I know you're there, and I know your story. Behind the scenes, you've got things in your life probably that other people don't know about. You're kind of cold. You're coming to church, but your heart isn't here. People are worshiping, and you just kind of go through the motions if you do anything at all. And I just came to tell you that God saw you this Wednesday and that God put you on my heart and today is your day when the river comes to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's river day for you. New life gonna flow in your being. All right, I need to wind this down. Where the river flows. We just read in Acts chapter two that I will pour out my spirit on all people or all flesh. You know what, at the beginning of the 1900, there was a young lady named Agnes Osmond who, who was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and at the time, that was just almost unheard of in this country for that kind of event to happen. But there was a young man named William Seymour. He was an African American gentleman who was going after God and he had heard from another individual this message that people could be filled with the Spirit and, and speak in other tongues. And uh, so he went to a Bible school where they were talking about that. A guy by the name of Charles Parham was teaching. But because he was a, a black man, they wouldn't let him in the room to hear the lesson. Segregation was mighty strong in those days at that time yet. So you know what he did? He sat in the hallway with the door open to get his Bible education. William Seymour was, in a little while after that, invited to be a pastor, potentially, of a church in Los Angeles. So he moved out to Los Angeles, and, well, he, and he gets out there. He comes and he teaches what he had heard, that there's this Acts 2, baptism in the Spirit, and you could be filled, and people speak in tongues, and they said, whoa, and they locked him out of the church. They didn't want any of that. But a local prayer group had heard about the Welsh revival in 1904, and they were seeking God for the same kind of revival, and they, they accepted him. And they prayed over him, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. He then opened a mission down in, in Los Angeles at a place called Azusa Street. And at Azusa Street, God began to pour out his spirit. And you know what happened? God was so pouring out his spirit, people were hungry, didn't care what color the pastor was. Hallelujah. And they didn't care who they were next to. As Frank Bartleman, one of the commentators on this particular time said, the color line was washed away in the blood. You see that mission where he pastored on the screen? Yes! You had Asians and Hispanics and black and white touched by the power of God, sometimes on the floor under the glory, just overwhelmed by God's presence. And the local papers had a heyday with that. Look at that, sophisticated white women next to, next to people of other colors there. How oh, disgraceful. Well, God didn't think it was disgraceful because he came to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that was the beginning of a Pentecostal revival that has touched this country and the nations. Since then, the Church of God in Christ which was already formed before this time, adopted Pentecostal doctrine and experience, and now they are the fifth largest denomination in the U.S. with over five million Pentecostals in that denomination. The Assemblies of God was formed a lot long after that in 1914. We have three and a quarter million members in this country, adherents, but worldwide, there are now 69 million assemblies of God people like the crowd here today. In the 1950s, people in other denominations got tired of the Pentecostals having all the fun. They said, wait, we want some of that. 
And the Spirit of God began to move over mainline denominations and traditional denominations. And when that happened, the, the revival began to spread. And now there are 635 million Pentecostal and charismatic Christians who believe in the river. Glory to God. Acts 10 says, Peter speaking at Cornelius' household. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I said, God does not show favoritism. It's for your sons and your daughters. It's for old men. It's for male and female. It's for every color. I now realize it's true that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation the one who fears him does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. And then the Holy Spirit fell and they all began to speak in other tongues at Cornelius the Gentile's household. Listen, God doesn't care what your denominational background is or how, what denomination you grew up in. He doesn't care if you're a Nazim, Method, Catheterian, Independent, Reformed, Baptist, Capalian. Some of you are all the above. He just wants to send you the river. He just wants to send you the river. And I've got good news for you, the river's free. You don't have to do a Jericho march around the sanctuary today to get it. You don't have to, you don't have to try to get more spiritual before this happens. You don't even need, even though we got great music, we don't even need music in the background. We need one thing, Jesus. All we do is ask and receive. We ask and receive. Peter said, repent and be baptized. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. The river flows finally where there is faith. If we simply repent of our sins and say, I need Jesus, he will, first of all, come into our lives, but then secondly, the gift of the Spirit is available. All we just have to do is open our heart and say, Jesus, now fill me with your power. And he will gladly do it. He'll gladly do it. Church, there's probably some of you today watching online or in here in person that you, you don't know Jesus personally. You need the river of salvation to flow in your life. It's time for me, that young person I was talking about are persons. It doesn't matter if you even came here, it's Halloween, but we got a different kind of spirit here today. And even, even if you're here and you're full of witchcraft, I've seen Jesus deliver people of witchcraft. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. Today is the day for you to have the river of God. Enough of Satan's lies, being beat down and all of his junk. Today is the day for the river. So church, can we just bow our heads for a moment? And Jesus, right now, would you please send the river of salvation across this building to the people online. Lord, send a mighty wave across the nation, too. We just, we just speak prophetically over America, the word of salvation, to see change come. But for those who are here, Lord, right now, they, oh, they're, they've been beat up by this life, and they need you. And they just want to say, Jesus, today, save me, deliver me. I need you as my Savior. That young person or persons that says, I've been going through the motions, but I need God. This is, this is your day. This is your day. With our heads bowed for just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you, at the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor Brian, it's me. I need this river of salvation from Jesus. We're not gonna embarrass you or anything. We're not gonna do anything weird. We're just gonna say, give your life to Jesus. That's all. On the count of three, you ready? One, here we go. Two, three, just put up your hand and say, that's for me. Thank you over there. Thank you. Others, 
Just raise your hand to say, I need Jesus in my life today. Thank you. I see you way up there in the balcony. Others. Look at over here. Others. Say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That was for me. Thank you. Way over there in the back. I see you too. God bless you. Others. We're all going to pray. Everybody pray with me. Lord Jesus. Come on, let's make it a good prayer. Let's let, let's let the enemy know we're mean business. Amen. Come on, everyone. Lord Jesus, send me the river of your salvation. Change me. Make me brand new. Come into my life. Wash away my sins. Wash away the old life. I receive you as my Savior. Come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. And I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, church? If our elders and pastors, if you would come, we want to pray with you. Two things particularly, really there's three heavy on my heart. But number one, if you've been in depression and you've been so discouraged and it's been hard for you to even function and you've been tired of life, you need to come and get a fresh river today. You need to experience the fresh river. Secondly, if you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit of power, those of you that just lifted your hands for salvation, you come. You can come too. You can be filled and saved the same day. If you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, come on down. Just begin to come now. Just begin to come now. And then, church, there's some of you, you're just so dry. It's been a long time since you've experienced the power of God, the filling of God. You begin to come. The elders and pastors here are going to pray with you to receive the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Just begin to come now. Be bold and step out and let God touch you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor.